that a plot like this could have absolutely existed 40 years ago with mm -hmm. the exact same characters in play with some cover up in Russia and Afghanistan and all these things. And here we are again, where it's absolutely salient I today. Know, I know. Well, well it's yeah, like our movies, The Reckoning. Uh, we've had that before, obviously, because we made The Reckoning in 2019 about the plague. And then suddenly COVID comes along. And when we were actually, when we were shooting The Lair, um, everybody was um, evacuating from Afghanistan. So literally like we'd finish filming with the insurgents during the day and we'd go home and watch the news and see everybody evacuating from Afghanistan. And then of course, you know, it's about the Russian invasion and then, you know, lo and behold, Russia invades somewhere else. Like it's no, just, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, like uh, life imitating <laughs> our, our particular art. Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Charlotte Kirk and director Neil Marshall. I had them on the show today to talk about their latest film, The Layer. When Royal Air Force pilot Lieutenant Kate Sinclair is shot down over Afghanistan, she finds refuge in an abandoned underground bunker, where deadly man-made biological weapons, half human, half alien, are awakened. The Layer will be in theaters and on demand this Friday, October 28th. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey Neil, hey Charlotte, how are you guys doing today? Very good. Very well. good. Good, good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Uh, um, I see Chucky in the background there. So watch your back. Oh yeah, it's it's, a, it's <laughs> that time of year, so it's kind of a Halloween's a big thing in our house here. So how about you? Are you guys uh, gearing up for the season? Uh, well, well, yeah, we would be. We're actually flying to Italy on Halloween to go to the uh, Trieste um, Film Festival out there with the Lair. So, oh, fantastic! Well, that, that's a that's a perfect way to <laughs> to set the tone for Halloween. Um, I think. No, I think maybe we've got to get some spooky play, uh, uh, movies to watch on the flight or something like that. Yeah, like and we've got to put some spooky decorations up. We do. We do. <laughs> if you had to, I mean, just uh, on that kind of idea, is there a movie that kind of makes it feel like Halloween to you that you go to something that says, okay, this is the one I go to year after year that gets me in the mood for Halloween? Halloween. I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, you showed me one. Uh, no, didn't like that one actually. No, go on. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, there's obviously there's plenty of horror films, but you know, horror film is actually that gives you the flavor of Halloween. But Halloween one, obviously, not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the... Halloween. It's it's yeah. Halloween seventy eight. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Well, I I loved this film, Blair. I had so much fun with this. This is. Um, something that's absolutely in my wheelhouse as a child of the 80s. This Yay. is the movie that I wanted so many times when I would go in and I would look at those boxes on the video store wall. And there was all <laughs> these things that made this promise. And it was never this. It was always something that tried to do this, but it was never quite this thing where it's this action monster movie. And it was just so much fun. I, I think it pretty much after the opening gunfight, I had like a smile on my face for, you know, the next probably 80 minutes or so and just had a blast with this thing. Can you talk a little bit about um, what led to this particular film? Uh, that's the perfect reaction. That's exactly what we we, we aspired to. Um, well, so the origins of this one were um, it was kind of born of COVID in a weird kind of way that uh, we were we were living out in Los Angeles during COVID. And a friend of ours approached us and said um, that he knew somebody who had a house in the desert uh, out near Joshua Tree. 
And maybe if we could come up with a little script that had a couple of actors and, and a, you know, we needed a couple of crew and maybe we could do some little um, COVID friendly horror film out in the desert. And um, ultimately nothing came of that, but, um, but the idea did stick in our minds and kind of percolate and, and we started to develop what we thought was going to be kind of a low budgety kind of idea. And then it just, it just expanded into Afghanistan and, and Russians and <laughs> alien spaceships and monsters. You can't do low budget. I, I, I'm can't. terrible. I can't do it. I've tried it so many times and it always just gets way too ambitious. I mean, that's, that was the problem with dog soldiers. They said it was too ambitious. It still just keep, keeps doing that way. But, uh, but at the same time, I kind of knew what I was able to achieve and I was thinking, okay, well, you know, I think we can do this on, you know, that kind of budget somehow or other. Um, and so just this notion of setting, you know, it became like a distant cousin to dog soldiers of like, it's another monsters versus something movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, like, I, I, for me, the inspiration was movies like Predator and, and things like that, you know, just, yeah. just great eighties genre B movies that are just like done very, very well, uh, full of practical effects and gore and action and cool characters that you don't want to see get killed off, but they do get killed off um and things like that so it just kind of evolved into this it's, it's um yeah well i think that's the magic trick of your films you touched on something there that i why i enjoy them so much it's that you have this small starting point where it's something that feels very intimate it, your films has this feeling of people getting together on a weekend and making a movie and then it just gets wildly ambitious and there's this <laughs> this thing i think you can feel it, like when you get yeah. into these big scale movies you feel like a sense of cynicism to some degree and your films always feel like they're filled with so much passion everybody that's there you can feel like everyone's having a good time making these movies at least to me that's what i feel from when i'm watching these things well, yeah please I yeah no, I have to say the the lair out of all the films I've shot has been the funnest film, uh, funnest shooting this film, and I, I hope that you know translates on screen. And I think it does. But it's just the actors we worked with, and it's a real you know ensemble piece. Everyone was it was just a fun movie to make. So much fun. And I, I keep on having having to tell people who've never made horror films before that it, that, that they don't believe me. I'm saying that you're making horror films is fun. <laughs> No, but this yeah. one in particular was more no. than. But, but even the reckoning, which is like grueling on screen, mm-hmm. had a, there was a lot of fun moments on set. You know, it's kind of fun to make on set in yeah. a way. Um, yeah, so we, oh, were you really scared of the devil or the monsters? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> when you when you when you're in the room with them and it's practical effects and it's yeah. you know you get your hands covered in blood and stuff like that. It's it's pure like it's like children's playtime. It's just yeah. fun. Yeah. So like I, I'm always indoctrinating people into the world of horror films on the basis that you know you're going to have a good time making it, and they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you are, and they do uh, yeah. because it's like you know, I say, comedy people are serious and unpleasant, but horror people are the loveliest people in the business yeah yeah i I completely agree i mean yeah you're going to get sticky you're going to get tired it's going to be that kind of thing it's going to be demanding of you but you're surrounded by people who just have this shared love of what they're doing and it doesn't have that pretension around it it's just we're just going to get dirty and have a good time and that's just really to me what it's all about and i'm wondering if you could talk charlotte a little bit about this is such a physical performance what you're doing because you know the first Probably 15 minutes or so, you're not really saying anything. This is just all physical reaction to this film. And we don't really get to know your character except through your movement, facial expressions, really more than anything. Could you talk about your approach to this role? Yeah, it was definitely, I would say, the most challenging yet physically. Um, I think 
mentally, uh, um, emotionally was the reckoning, the, the previous one. But yeah. this one, it's <laughs> um, <laughs> underselling it a little bit. It's a walk in the park compared to that. Um, <laughs> but but the thing is, this is the first time I fired a gun. Um, you know, and then I'm you know next like next day I'm firing AK forty seven. So I was really <laughs> jumped in the deep end there. But I did have a great stunt team, and you know everything was very choreographed. Um, and just I think everything. Obviously, the approach is one thing, but the makeup really helped. The sweat, the uh, the atmosphere, the the, the, the misty misty smoke you created. Well, well, there's a lot of that. Um, lots of that. But uh, it was very hot, so you had you know sweat came easily because it was yeah unbelievably hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but just the uh, approach where it looked. But yeah. I, I trained a lot for it as well. I did train a lot for it. Um, yeah, the stunt team put you through the ringer, definitely, the physical training. But this was definitely the most physical role yet that I've had. But I but I absolutely loved it, absolutely loved it. And I was like, okay, I have to, you know, show my emotions through physicality um, as opposed to dialogue uh, for the first time in, you know, a long, as you say, it's 15 minutes of the film. Um, but, yeah, proud Well, I, I, I kind of... I actually really appreciate that because one of the things that happens in films like this is we often and it's going to happen no matter what in any monster movie you're going to have some degree of exposition dump it's going to happen at some point it's just it has to happen but there yeah. is an element to this where there is that it just kind of is what it is to some degree where all the relationships between these people they're never really defined in a explicit i'm telling you exactly what the relationship here is is here why we're here what we're doing and you just kind of move through it and show it and it gives a vote of confidence in the audience that I think a lot of films of this nature don't do. And that's and yet again, another reason that this film is a lot smarter than people might give it credit for just on the surface level. This is a, this is just, it's a thought out movie. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Not too much exposition when do not tell, right? Show <laughs> not tell. Show I, not tell. I love the <laughs> and I kind of love hinging it around real events as well. Um, oh yeah, you know with the with, the, with the, the the Moab bomb thing as you know as a real mm-hmm. event. Come all when I read about that and I kind of thought, well, what might that have been used to cover up? You know, is, is, is that cover up actually rather than something else? And it's like, what would it be covering up? And then just thinking of like what the Russians might have got up to and you know, when they were in Afghanistan and black sites and crazy shit like that was just like, oh, this is like. This is fun territory to play around in. Yeah. Oh, what it's, if? Yeah. Well, it's it's almost this. It's so strange because again, as a child of the eighties, this it's very alarming that a plot like this could have absolutely existed forty years ago with mm-hmm. the exact same characters in play, with some cover up in Russia and Afghanistan and all these things. And here we are again, where it's absolutely salient I today. Know, I know. Well, well it's yeah, our um, movies, The Reckoning. Uh, we've had that before, obviously, because we made The Reckoning in 2019 about the plague. And then suddenly COVID comes along. And when we were actually when we were shooting The Lair, um, everybody was um, evacuating from Afghanistan. So literally, like, we'd finish filming with the insurgents during the day and we'd go home and watch the news and see everybody evacuating from Afghanistan. And then, of course, you know, it's about the Russian invasion. And then, you know, lo and behold, Russia invades somewhere else. Like, it's no, just, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, like, uh, life imitating our <laughs> our particular art. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just going to say, whatever it is you have in mind for your next film, um, just be aware of what it might do to society. Be careful in what you're doing. 
You know, our next film involves our next film involves diamond smuggling, so I'm kind of hoping maybe some you know something good will come of that. <laughs> and gangsters, and yeah. Gangsters. Well, and gangsters, yes, but we'll see. Nothing, there's nothing global. There's nothing global in the next one. <laughs> no, good. And then, could you talk a little bit about um, that scale you're mentioning before, and this just getting more ambitious and growing and growing and growing, and how you do that on a budget? Is that something because you've worked in? the most micro budgets really that you can work in and you've worked at the highest level with just budgets that, you know, really your imagination becomes the limit. It seems like with the, some of the projects you've worked on, um, is that some, how does that impact a film like this, which I'm only assuming is a low budget. And I assume you're probably punching way above your weight class. If I was guessing the budget here, it's probably, <laughs> I would have it inflated probably two X or so. Uh, yeah, well, you wouldn't be too far wrong about the, the, the budget really. Um, but what what I found with working on uh, maybe not Doomsday because uh, that wasn't you know by Hollywood standards that's not a big budget film but well, we made it look like a big budget film. One of my favorites of yours, by the way. I, I adore that movie. Thank you, thank you. But um, on other film, well, particularly on Hellboy or whatever, this, this, what I did notice was there's a colossal amount of wastage, and yeah. not not just in films but on TV series as well. There's a lot of wasted money goes goes along. Um, whereas we, you know, we literally put every single cent on screen mm-hmm. um, and, and try and figure out practical solutions to things. It's a, it's a huge problem-solving exercise to try and do something that ambitious. But it's also just like a really clever use uh, of um, some visual effect shots. You know, you tell people it was shot in Budapest after watching the film, and they're like, well, but the, the how? How did you do that? <laughs> Um, because you know, just some very, very clever map paintings for a certain f- you know, few shots give it that expanse, and that's all you need to kind of see. You don't need to see it in every single frame, but you know, there's a few you know scene setting shots, and then some of the others are in very constrictive environments. But you yeah. understand the geography, you understand the world that you're in. But I think it makes you become more creative when you're on a budget and you have to figure out solutions, and sometimes. You know, you've got to cut things and you've got to work around things. And it's actually made it what I so far, the films we've done, we've had to cut things or adapt things or limit things. It's actually made it better. It's concise things. It's take take all the fat off that, it, you know. That said, though, I do think there's a happy medium somewhere. Yeah. Have a, a, little, a little bit more money would be nice just for a few extra. You know, it's time is the time. greatest time is the greatest enemy yeah. for, for filmmakers that you can't, you know, you can't you're constantly fighting against it so uh a little bit more money buys a few more days and a few more days you know just gives you that room to breathe a little bit uh that kind of thing i would i would certainly mm-hmm. would appreciate yeah but i do i do like the problem solving aspect of working on low budget movies and and it's it's much more kind of deeply satisfying you know i, I can work on a big movie and have like zero creative control or work on a movie like the reckoning or the lair and have 100 percent creative control uh, within the limitations of the budget, and it's like it's kind of up to you, and and it's just so much more satisfying. Yeah. And could you talk a little bit about um, in thinking about that the creature design here, because you have not only you, I could see if you're looking at constraints and how do we pull back the budget and keep things under control. Maybe let's just go with one monster, but you literally have dozens of these things, and I'm not sure how you're. I don't know how, how many of these. Are, exactly. You- that's what I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> well, it is the thing. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm a huge exponent of uh, a exponent proponent. I can't remember. A huge fan of um, <laughs> practical effects. It's for, you know it's practical effects all the way for me as as far as possible with utilizing CG to enhance those effects in certain places, like with tentacles and 
things like that. But on the whole, it's uh, you know as practical as possible. And uh, the design of them was obviously going to inherently be based around the idea of man in a suit because I just love a good man in a suit monster. Same here. And uh, I wanted to kind of make it. It's like half. It's like half teeth. So it's like got huge amounts of teeth and double rows of teeth and things like that. And then the rest was like this texture, which is going to be like full of holes and things come out of these holes, like tentacles come out of these holes, but to get rid of eyes and ears and anything you might recognize. And this texture, um, there's a phobia and I can never remember what it's called. It's like trichophobia or trichophobia or something like that, which is a, a people have this phobia of textures that have lots of holes in them. It makes them physically ill um and so i wanted to incorporate that into the face of the creature as it like really upset people <laughs> it works because i'm not sure that i have that exact i don't have that phobia because i've never heard that before but yeah it is unnerving when you get in you <laughs> uh, see what's actually going on there it's great okay, it's a I'm, wonderful design i'm gonna i'm sorry i'm just gonna quickly uh quickly look it up because what if you'll find out if you've got it because if you google it it'll show you a bunch of pictures and if you if it makes you want to vomit then you've got it. Okay. Oh. All right. A little social experiment. I'll give this a shot right now. <laughs> Why not? Ear of holes. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. I'm joined today by my son, Jacob. Jacob, say hello to old people. Oh, there you go. You're already on it. So, Jacob, when you go to Bookman's, what is it that you like to look at? What do you like to get? To get toys. You like to look at the movies and you like to get the coffee news, the newspaper they have out front. That's great. So last time we went into Bookman's, I picked up a movie. Um, what movie did I get, Jacob? A stick from New York, but that's the name as it hurts of the uh, ex... Uh, as the cover. Sorry, sorry. I so, no, no, you're okay. Would you talk a little bit about what you see on the cover of Escape from New York on this Blu-ray that I got? So, based on this cover, you see... Mm, Grass shattered, and also the Statue of Liberty's face fell apart. Because in this movie, Escape from New York, is the introduction is a man trying to save the president's daughter, and New York turns into a prison in this movie. And there's the hero, as you can see, very strong, in fact. Oh, yeah. Now, this is one of my favorite movies. I love this movie. Now, you're too young to watch it because you're only six years old, but... Do you think in a couple of years from now, when you get a little bit older, you'll want to check out Escape from New York? Yes. Okay. What's a movie that you've seen that we picked up at Bookman's that you like? Come here. Talk so that people can hear you. A Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. That's a great movie. So when you're going to Bookman's, you can get movies, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4K, Laserdisc, VHS. You can also get comic books, books, newspapers, magazines, home furnishings. Uh, you can get tons of stuff there. Because remember... Bookman's has your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yay, that was a good idea. Okay, so it's called Trypophobia. Okay. Those are images. T R Y P O P H O B A. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen, okay, I have seen this before. Oh, that is gross, though. That is oh, it's it's, it's horrific. It's horrible. It's, it's <laughs> that is vile, isn't it? Why? Oh, yeah. It, it, I I think maybe it's just the um, 
reading to this Tom Savini book at a young age, when I see something like that, I'm like, oh, how did they pull that off? It's like, there's this disconnect in reality that I'm like, no, that's not something that's actually happening. Like that looks like an effect to me. No, that's, oh, that's horrible. I don't want to vomit, but I definitely don't want to look at that. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, some people have a really, some people have a real reaction to those, that, that things, those kind of textures. It's not just like holes in skin or whatever. It could be a texture on a, on a, on anywhere. It could be just anything that's got lots of lumps or lots of holes in it. Anyway, it okay. freaks people out. And it's like, as a horror film director, you're looking for the things that are going to just freak people out somehow. Yeah. Um, that so did you gonna... land on that before the other designer? Was that something that you and you kind of worked backwards from that idea, or did you just decide to? No, I, I told I told the designers to incorporate that into it, okay. <laughs> like <laughs> full of holes. Um, yeah, to make it icky. Uh, so yeah, it was all part of the plan. It, it works beautifully though, because once these <clears throat> these things are there, and just how much screen time you give them though. It's something that you're not shying away from it and you get in close and you just really have the, once they're on screen, they're, they don't go away till the, uh, to the end of the film really. Okay. No. And I came obviously that with the autopsy scene, it was like inher- inherent that we're going to get a good look at it. So it had to be, <laughs> had to be a practical thing and it had to be of a high quality. But um, you don't, you didn't want to share, shine too much light onto it either. Did you? Uh, well, you don't see them running around in the daylight, but you see, you see that one that one appear in the tent and the, the yeah. autopsy scene in the daylight. But um, but yeah, it's just you know, it's, it's uh, once you cover them in in you know lubricant and backlight them and you know all this kind of stuff that just makes creatures look really really cool. They had a lot of drool. We're always putting lots of drool and stuff on them. Yeah. <laughs> and could you talk about the two different looks of the film? Because there's a sort of the subterranean look that's very specific. And then there's the, you know, on the surface level look, which is, you know, you have this very washed out desert color that you have. And then when you get below earth, it's this, these greens with these little, you know, tinges of red in the background. It just really has that almost sickly feeling when you're um, in the layer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, see, I suppose in a way it's a, it wasn't really conscious, but it's kind of an inherent wink to the descent, but like, these snap lights that you have are this kind of luminous, sickly green color, or emergency lights tend to be red, or you know. And, and so, the, the, a lot of the because because it's a man-made structure down there, um, it's going to be full of these kind of weird, weird lighting systems, and and um, fluorescent lights kind of kind of look a sickly color sometimes as well. So we wanted to incorporate all that kind of artificial lighting down in the lair, whereas uh, outside it was trying to capture the the high at- the high level atmosphere of afghanistan which is like hot but it's also kind of cool at the same time so putting blues into the shadows gave it a real kind of high altitude vibe to it this is all stuff that the uh, cinematographer luke bryant was like t- telling me is like oh, that's how you wow. achieve the effect i'm like yep i love it absolutely <laughs> this is what we want so i'm like I can't, I can't say that it was all my idea it was all his idea but he made it look fantastic and, and it does it's something that i i hadn't thought about that putting blues into the darkness that actually into the black that makes a lot of sense in how you pull oh. off that color palette yeah just to give it that sort of very it's slightly cold because it can you know in afghanistan on the peaks or whatever it's blazing sunshine but it's freezing cold and just trying to get that across um mm. also because we shot on the um sony venice camera which is like super light sensitive so it enabled us to shoot like uh, uh, you know just using that sort of green snap light that was it that was the only thing we had and it's like really yeah for, for for those scenes absolutely yeah oh wow yeah. that's so, incredible that's really impressive that you're able to pull that off and actually get those shots using that as the only lighting for i mean obviously in those moments when you have the uh that just little tiny light source for it 
I know. It's incredible. Really, really, really incredible. And so then could you uh, talk a little bit about the, just the stunts here, because this is like we said, you know, kind of dealing with the uh, horror side of things, but this is really an action film. It feels like first in my mind is how I take it. The horror stuff is all there and it's, but it's really, it's just this, um, there's like a propulsion to this, uh, you know, this train gets going and it's just building and building and building on itself where it's not like, yeah, yeah, I mean it's a non-stop ride. I mean it's it's ninety it's it's a very intense ninety minutes um of, of film and not you know not a lot of films come out that are sort of fall into that ninety minute category anymore. We just wanted to make it super intense and yeah. leave people at the end kind of feeling a bit shell-shocked from it all. Yeah. I, I wanted to try and capture the way that I first felt when I saw Aliens for the first time. That I literally oh, walked, sure. I walked out of the cinema with like my hands were like shaking from the, the adrenaline surge. And I kind of wanted to, audiences to feel a bit of that. So it does get, yeah. certainly the last half an hour is absolutely relentless. I um, think it's relentless from the get-go. From the moment you watch it, true, it's pretty true. relentless. Maybe it has a yeah, it kind of like, stops for a little breather in the middle and then yeah. goes crazy again at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it's primarily an action movie with monsters, I guess. Um mm-hmm. as, as and, and monsters are great for action movies because you can blow them up and shoot them <laughs> and you know, kill them indiscriminately without having to worry about it too much. It's just like nobody nobody's gonna root for the monsters. Exactly. There's there's a great deal of satisfaction for the audience and seeing these monsters get completely eviscerated by machine gun fire and things like that. It's good fun. <laughs> Well, and there's a, there's for somebody that um, I recommend this movie highly. I really enjoyed this, but if you have an issue with head trauma, I don't think this is the film for you. Um, <laughs> I, I, there's, there's a thing you do from the backside of the head here that I've, I've never seen before um, where and I don't, I don't want to give away the gag necessarily, but it's something that is, it, yeah, it works. <laughs> and you're not expecting yeah, it to go that direction. Yeah, there's some, there's a quite a bit, there's a bit of that going on for sure, uh, yeah. but both for, with humans and with the with the creatures as well. Um, yeah. When, when uh, there's a sound effect, it was like the perfect sound effect of, of this this hickory wood that that makes a crack noise when Jamie Bamba knocks the creature on the skull with it. That mm-hmm. just, you, every, you just feel that hit yeah. every time. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's amazing. Well, amazing. it was. Some- if you then the sound mix here is really really good. Um, it, my kids went to bed early last night when I was watching this, and so I had to you know throw on the headphones for it. And I have you know just the wireless headphones, and I was immersed in this thing. And there's some wet noises in this that are just just <laughs> they're fantastically unnerving. So it's a very effective Excellent. sound mix. So definitely watch this in a loud room if you can. Wet sound, like yeah. <laughs> and then so. How does this play in a in a packed house? How does this play in a theater? Have you had a chance to watch this with an audience yet? It's different in different countries, isn't it? Yeah, we've seen it. Well, I've, I've, I've seen it in three different times in three different countries. Uh, Fright Fest in London, who were very very vocal and, <laughs> and you know, laughing, having a great time. I saw it in Sitches in Spain, who were clapping a lot. They 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 they're very vocal vocal, but they mainly like you know a round of applause at a death or something like that. <laughs> And then the Norwegians, who were incredibly quiet, really? uh, they laugh at a few jokes on the whole, but they're very, very polite. And then at the end of the film, they say how much they absolutely loved it. They're, they're, it's just, yeah. it's, it's a completely different, like, you know, societal thing um, that it's got no bearing on how much they're actually loving the film. You cannot you know, gauge it on that because they adored it, but they're very, very, you know, compared to the Spanish, they're like, you know, chalk and cheese. I'd love to see how it plays in the US, though. 
Yeah. I'd like to well, yeah. we're we're not known for being a quiet people. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think it would be a great fun audience. I, great and, fun. I'm sure, and I know there's like there's there's two or three gags or two or three one liners in there that I think will just bring the house down in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, this is something that I um I, I watch a lot of things. And so it's rare that I would go back out and watch something again, just because it means I'm not watching something that I could be watching for the first time. But this is something that I would love to see with a group of people and just get, because this is something that it's a communal experience when you have these kind of big bombastic films like this that are just fun. And it's something that horror and action are those two of those things that I love seeing in a theater. I love seeing it with the crowd because I think that it adds a whole nother layer to it. And yeah, this is one that I think would just play beautifully. Right. Yeah, it it does. It's fun. It does. And I, but, I, yeah. If if you do, let us know how it goes down. I will. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know we're we're out of time here, but congratulations on the film. This is a great one, and I'm definitely thank looking you. forward to to what um, what you're going to be predicting in our demise next with this oh. one. So. <laughs> Without crystal ball. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Thank you both. Have Bye. a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope